Hello listeners, welcome to the latest episode of the VAR, the Wallies and Rabona's podcast. I am Sanjay and I'm glad to be your host for today. So, the transfer window has finally ended and the dust has settled on all the clubs and also the players are returning from the recently concluded African Cup of Nations. And now is the time for teams to resume from where they took off and also for some teams to salvage a season in which they couldn't achieve much. And today we are throwing the spotlight on one such club which is experiencing the latter of these situations and that is to the surprise of everyone FC Barcelona fondly called Barcelona by its ardent fan base the glory days weren't too far ago but the past couple of years has been the darkest period arguably in the history of the club the club had to deal with a lot of political tensions financial issues and also they had to cope with the departure of one of the greatest if not the greatest player of all time in Lionel Messi and today we are joined by a, a pretty wonderful group of barcelona fans as guests over here in mozim andrew and dinesh so let's start off with mozim how's the how's the situation in the barcelona camp right now man and how are you feeling hi sanjay thank you for the kind introduction and you are very apt in your description of our, of the fans yes we are in a tight situation right now it is kind of difficult but since javi has come in like i guess it's time we get our hopes up again and we did watch barcelona win against atletico madrid 4-2 just the other day and we finally won against some big team that was pretty awesome in my opinion the match had of course successful transfer signings i guess or maybe it's a bit too early to say but of course every single player that we signed so far has performed so far and that's positive signs but there's a lot of work to do and honestly i know it's pretty funny to say it at this point but i am excited for the future well it is your first victory over atletico in more than 3 seasons now and you have every reason to be optimistic and also i think the current signs look pretty good so andrew your thoughts yeah hello sanjay uh, greetings to all the listeners as well I think it's been an eternity since we uh, last won in an away game. Uh, I, I mean, in a big game, to be fair. Under Koeman, we rarely won in big games. It was only, I think, only against Juventus away that we won. And uh, winning against a big team uh, feels great, to be fair. Javi has done an incredible role so far in fixing the midfield and the attacks. He has got the second most points for Barca in the league since he's taken over. we moved the ball quicker and more confidently as well but the area of concern for javi as far as i'm concerned should be the defensive setup as in i don't mean just the defenders i mean how we defend as a team the quick transitions that occur once we lose the ball in midfield is a concern see busquets and company often no cover whatsoever to the center backs and therefore we often see ourselves widely exposed at the back so the immediate so- solution for that is maybe finding a good cdm i think i love busi but i have but i have to say we have to look forward that's all i have to thoughts so far yeah i have a question for you andrew yeah what do you think about sanky de jong as cdm um as a single pivot i don't think that will go that's going to work out maybe javi can try a new system maybe three play three at the back and then play two pivots in nicolas gonzales and uh, uh frankie de jong 
I don't think he'll work in a 4-3-3 and the same problems will exist. That's what I think. Yeah. Xavi had a really good start to his management. It was bumpy at first. We had a derby game against Espanyol which Xavi won 1-0. And then we had a couple of draws in the UCL and one loss to Bayern which knocked us out. It has been a bumpy ride. There has been a steady improvement in performances but the results were still inconsistent. We found massive problems in our defence and at CDM position. Eric Garcia has grown into the game a lot since Xavi, come, Xavi has come in. But also there have been many major injuries. And so far we had a relapse again. This December and January, there's been a bit of optimism at Barca because of their performances and results coming together for the first time. We are in fight for the top four right now, pushing Real Betis for the third spot. Xavi uh, has got the trust of the board and the fans in him. So, I think he'll do really well in the future. Well, there are positive signs. And given Xavi's rookie resume as a manager, you definitely need to give him time. And I think he will get the job done eventually. But he wasn't the man at the helm at the start of the season, was he? It was Roman, Ronald Koeman. And to be fair, even though he won the Copa del Rey the previous season, he had to deal with the departure of Messi and, the, and it was a really, really shaky start to the season. And what do you guys think about that? And what made you think that led to bring, bringing Xavi in here? Ronald Koeman signed Luke de Jong as a star... Like a starting 11 striker. Look, De Jong. We sold Anton Griezmann. We sold Suarez the previous season. And guess who our replacement was? Luke De Jong. This man is building the Netherlands squad in Barcelona. I don't know why. I guess he missed coaching Netherlands. So, he decided to bring everyone here. But honestly, at some point, his tactics made absolutely no sense. You watch Barcelona play. And if you don't fall asleep, trust me, I will pay you 500 bucks. That's how... Horrible it was. I am a diehard Barcelona fan. And I've fallen asleep watching my own team play. That man was very stubborn with his tactics. Very stubborn with his formation. He refused to change. He just... You know what? I just had no idea. His signings made no sense. It just made no sense. That's it. He came into the club. Yes, he's a club legend. But what did he do? Yeah, he won Copa del Rey and dealt with Messi leaving. That's all. That's all. Someone taken. I'm pissed already. You're absolutely right, Mosin. Komen is a bit stubborn and he used to blame a lot of our youth players in the press conferences, which really didn't help the cause. But this season actually started off well when we beat Real Sociedad 4-2. It looked really good. Griezmann and Depay were really combining well when Leo was absent from the team. Depay, who was signed on a free and with a wage cut, helped the team massively when we lost Messi and Griezmann. And Fati and Dembele were already injured by the point. The signing of Luke de Jong is a, is a bit of a tragedy com- comedy. So, yeah. He was benchwarming for Sevilla and he was bought in on the last day of the window. Grease, selling, selling Grease on the last day really hurt our season, I feel that. I think you guys are really, really harsh on uh, Ronald Koeman. I think 
um you got a feel for him man like he gave up a comfy comfortable job at the netherlands national team to come to a mess of a club that had just been battered by bayern 82 suffering the worst humiliation at the club and he still came and he did a fairly decent job towards the end of the season and he did a great job integrating fatty araujo and petri into the main 11 so you have have to give him credit for that but also sadly he's one of the coaches who uh, de- uh, heavily depend on messi to get re- results so the news that messi was leaving would have been a kick in the nuts for him and he surely wasn't the one to lead the post messi era without a doubt so yeah sacking him was the right option and he kind of gave up after messi left so basically replacing messi and suarez with luke de jong wasn't wasn't fairly the like like replacement but anyways he was able to sketch a squad with whatever players he had available and with whatever financial power he could get at that moment so could he have extracted more from the squad or was it there was it the right decision to sack him at that moment it was the right decision to sack him he like honestly i feel like he got the best out of the team but after this he couldn't have done anything and also this man comes out and says stuff like barcelona has a future because of me and we still gave him time despite saying a controversial statement like that if a manager comes out and says such statements about any club i'm pretty sure like it would be a sack on spot so with his ego and with his tactics and everything i think it was time for him to leave yes dinesh to be fair i think laporta gave him a lot of time to deal with the situation by the point he left i think he lost the dressing room as well the players weren't responding to his tactics or to his decisions and he was blaming a lot of youth players blaming gavi petri for the losses wasn't going to solve anything so i think it was perfectly well taken decision to sack him and to bring in chavi at the same time but the decision to sack ronald coman wasn't taken by bartimeo was it who had already left the club and it was and he was replaced by laporta so let's roll back in time and go to bartimeo who was actually the major reason for all the mess that's been going on at barcelona right now and isn't he at jail at the moment and so guys how much do you think bartimeo rammed the scales inside the club bartimeo that that whatever he came to the club decided he had one ambition destroy barcelona how to destroy barcelona see i'm going to be talking about the wage structure he offered anton griezmann 850000 euros per week he offered lionel messi i understand he's the best player in the world but it's unreal for a player to be earning 1.3 million per week he came in destroyed wage structure destroyed his uh, the board members he came in and he did a lot of sus- like suspicious activities too like we found out reports that he literally found agencies hired them to badmouth players such as messi suarez etc and also he sold like literally everyone the half of the starting 11 in 2020 i understand that revamp was required but it was a wrong time he's made horrible transfer decisions horrible signing made a mess of the wage structure and right now here is laporta fixing his mess 
No club should go through that kind of a president ever. Mark my words. Joseph Maria Bartomeu sounds like a holy name, but none of what he did at Barcelona was holy. First things first, I don't want to speak my mind on this man. If I do, the podcast will be taken down by Spotify, even though they are our new sponsors. Now, why do we even start about this man? This man, this Espanol and Real Madrid double agent, the man responsible for turning Mesque one club, more than a club, to more than a circus. The man responsible for turning football, a source of my joy, to something beyond depression. Man, I had a few horrible years in my life. And that's how I discovered Barcelona. And who would have thought Barcelona would just worsen my life like anything. And this man was at the core of it all. And you know who I'm blaming for all of this? Not Bartomeu, but the absolute brain-dead sources of Barcelona, the members who elected him. I mean, who could not see the dangers of electing this man? After all, he served as a deputy of Russell, who even... Uh, the disgraced predecessor who was arrest, arrested for involvement in all courts of money laundering and everything, uh, including the Neymar scandal, you know, um, and that was a that was a complete red flag, man. The second red flag is that this man is from the Espanol side of Barcelona. Um, someone take it off. I'm just losing my mind here. If there is anything modern kills Kules hate more than Real Madrid, must be Bartomeu. He pushed the club to the brink of financial degradation in just about six years, I guess. It started off so well, you know, like 2014-15 season, we, we won the treble. And Bartimeo won the presidential election by landslide margins. And after that, the downfall went straight like a plane crash. There was nothing good coming out of the club after that. He was, everything that could have gone wrong with the club went wrong after that. The signings, the contracts he handed out to the players, the performances, the manager appointments. There was nothing going good back then. Yeah, Andrew. See, uh, Bartomeu won by a landslide only because, see, I'll, I'll tell you the timeline. Now, Russell was arrested midterm. So, Bartomeu, being the deputy, had to step up in 2014. Yeah. Now, the fans were already pissed at the board. Uh, that is the Russell and Bartomeu clan for yeah, having yeah. brought disgrace to the club and having an awful season under Tata Martino. So with a year yeah. to go for elections, at this point, he is never winning the uh, next elections in a million years. So man's next yeah. move is to win over the fans. He goes and signs Luis Suarez and Testegan and appoints Luis Enrique. Barca yeah, have yeah, an incredible yeah. season. And then he wins over the stupid dumbass fans of the club. And then he won the elections. Uh, he won the elections by a landslide, and then he gets into the job of destroying destroying the club from the inside. So, Mozim, anything else? Adi, you covered everything. These dumbass socios, I tell you. That's it, dumbass. One more thing. The second red flag is that this man is from the Espanol side of Barcelona. He's got Espanol blood running through the veins, man. And even though that's a small club, the hatred between the local supporters towards the clubs comes from deep within. We've seen how much they hate PK. He was a freaking professional basketball player for that club. So no wonder he's doing all the things that he's done for Barcelona. Bartomeu Bartem was literally hated by Messi. I don't think any player in the history of any manager or any coach or any president will get that much hate from Messi as Barta got from him. 
he had no sporting project no future plan no financial strategies we were like running blind in middle of traffic and hoping that no car would hit us and covid hit us and it it is really bad we went 1.5 billion dollars into debt yeah well the hatred towards bartimeo has been clearly echoed over the past few minutes over here well clearly it's not just the management of the players but it was the management of the finances more than anything else so despite the crazy over the top wage structure there was some hefty fees transfer hefty fees thrown away all around the place for especially for the signatures of coutinho and dembele and the money received from the sale of neymar was obviously not spent in the right way and also on top of this we are over the course of time losing the dressing room and you know losing the belief of legends of the club including suarez busquets pique and also messi himself who had to like send all bureaucrats to get himself out of the club but eventually he couldn't do that as well so what was the disastrous state left by bartimeo at barcelona and to come out of this is really difficult don't you guys think one of the most disastrous things he's done was the insane transfer fees of a certain players we bought philippe coutinho for 160 million we bought usman dembele for 105 million we bought antoine griezmann for 120 million and none of them were a success i tell you we bought coutinho as a sole like a sole replacement for andres iniesta but of course the manager valverde decided to play play him in neymar's position and then we had dembele who spent half his time in the hospital every two games he gets injured sometimes he comes back from injury gets injured in the same match he comes back in while playing 20 minutes trust me i don't know how but this uh, hefty transfer fees is one of the biggest disasters that that happened in his reign and it's going to be very difficult to come back from this like considering the fact that he is like it became pretty bad in the club anyone yeah 162 million was an incredibly unnecessarily high fee for a player who isn't even the best player in the world in his position definitely coutinho wasn't he was talented showing some prowess at liverpool but nowhere near the best left winger or the best interior in the world he he shouldn't have been bought for anything more than 80 million I don't agree with you on the Dembele thing, Mosin, because I feel that at the time Dembele was a really good signing because he was showing potential and very good potential at Dortmund. He was playing out of his mind. Yeah. See, I have to disagree, uh, Dinesh, because uh, Dembele, no matter what, it was an overpay. The first of the magical trio at Barcelona was Dembele. He was the first signing after uh, Neymar left. and at the time we considered it the 105 million buy as a panic buy and hoped that we he would come good at barcelona but after 5 years 25 goals and 837 injuries later we have come to a conclusion that dortmund has absolutely fleeced us here's what angers me about dembele i will agree it is an absolute train yes. crash of Wait a transfer yes man even though he was injured most of the time we stuck by him we didn't uh, we 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 weren't looking to get rid of him or anything and despite of all that he's looking for a new contract a bigger contract without a single ounce of shame no sense of gratitude whatsoever that's why he is one of the most hated signings in the history of barcelona 
I have to say. Mozim, Usman Dembele joined a club at the age of 19. We paid 105 million for him. See, I understand he had like a couple of good seasons and he was on the radar. But he was nowhere worth 105 million at that point. It was a straight up panic buy. Okay, all that aside here, we come five years later. This man is asking us 40 million per year. He has done squat to deserve 40 million per year. He comes into Laporta's office, him and his agent, hey, I want 40 million per year. While the club is in financial crisis, goddammit. Like, are you kidding me? I, don't you have some shame? You've been in this club for five years, goddammit. You should be knowing this. But still, he comes in, he asks for 40 minutes, and just, just, he should leave. Get out. Get out of the club, man. Idiot. Yep, those demands were absolutely ridiculous. 40 million plus 20 million agent fees plus 20 million in bonus. I don't think it would work out at any club. He won't get more than 20 million at any major club in world football. Well, there was a lot of ruckus around the transfers and the money splashed around players. And also amidst all this, was the perceived return of Neymar back to Barcelona, the man who had fled for 220 million euros, and they wanted him back again. And all this was on Messi's demand. So, despite the financial outdoings of the club, how, was, how could have that been possible? Neymar wanted to come back in 2019, the same year we signed Antoine Griezmann. Considering how Antoine Griezmann at that point, no Barca fan was excited because we felt like it was a useless signing. They should it just was a redundant signing more than anything else, was it? It because was really redundant. There was, no, there was no point in buying him. It was just like Barcelona or rather Bartomeu flexing his money. Neymar, apparently, according to his documentary, he has requested Barcelona to come back in 2019. But, and even... That signing was approved by majority of the dressing room. I understand. Fans were split between snake and not snake. And I'm in the not snake side. Well, purely because I love Neymar. <clears throat> he requested to come back. And he was the player we kind of needed even in 2019. Because we failed to fill the to like fill his the void left by him. Left wing was still like it was unbalanced. Everyone was playing that position. So I think it would have been feasible. And perhaps. I think Barcelona wouldn't be in that bad a situation had we signed Neymar compared rather than Griezmann. Dinesh? I, I, I disagree with you there, Mosim. I don't think the Neymar who left us in 2017 was the same Neymar who would have come back in 2019. He became really injury-prone at Paris. He stopped playing after March and for reasons we all know why. Yeah. And... Bringing him on for 100 million, 100 million a year, a 29-year-old who hasn't been performing really well at Paris. He is performing in patches, but he's getting injured a lot. I don't think it would have been a good move. He, we should have gone for someone new at left wing. I, I get your point, Dinesh. Like, I completely understand what you're trying to say. say but... Think about it. Neymar was in the best form of his life in Barcelona. He already has adapted to La Liga. Perhaps it's the French football that never suited him. And his, like, there was some kind of, there was some kind of, like, mental block with him not settling in Paris. So, I completely disagree with you there. I think if he came back, he would have probably, like, rejuvenated his career. Amidst all this, 
there was one person who wanted to stay at the club who was also on the verge of staying until the last moment everything collapsed and he did end up leaving and that is none other than Lionel Messi himself and his departure probably created the biggest dent in Barcelona's history like the tom the, the person with the most appearances for the club the top scorer of the club and also at the same time he had to he had a failed burofax attempt which forced him to stay for an extra season and it was sheer disrespect from the for the outside world in the way in which he was treated and uh, it finally led to his departure so is still the departure of messi at the bottom of every barcelona fans's hearts and have you guys overcome that yet we haven't who said we have i can speak for every single barcelona fan when we watched that press conference we all cried our hearts out because that man he gave us so many beautiful memories and is this the way he goes out of the club he is probably the best player in the entire world in fact the history of football and he left in the most disgraceful way possible i mean i know there were a lot of politics involved here and there with the la liga president getting involved with us with the, with declining another sponsor here and there like there were lots of stuff happening but the way how he left was just absolutely disgraceful out of much rather him left in 2020 with than him leaving the way he did because we us barca fans we didn't even give him a farewell match he did not even have a farewell match even now when i watch barcelona matches without messi It's just weird, man. It's just weird. I hate seeing him in PSG colors. I hate it. You know, when it comes to Messi, you know, it's going to be a really touchy topic for Barca fans. Like people get really emotional about it. I mean, we are talking about the goat, probably in the history of the game, most certainly in the history of Barcelona. Now, here's what I think of Messi's departure. It was sad. I agree with Mosem in a way to see him go the way he did through a damn fr- press conference. he deserved a much more grander sent off but you know covid and that so i understand but here's the donkey we have to talk about tebas tebas the fat donkey he does not know how to run a league mid season last year he introduced the salary cap to apparently help clubs cope with losses they faced during the covid pandemic now our wage bill at the time was around 400 million and we had to somehow get that to 98 million and messi was earning about half of that so now either lopota knew all along that it was impossible to keep messi or he was hoping that tebas would be gracious enough to bend the rules and uh, keep messi which didn't happen so in the end of the day i think it was inevitable that messi was actually going to leave with the salary cap and everything coming out of actually under the way our wage bill was around 650 million euros it seems oh, during the time gosh. we had to bring it down to 100 million euros in a year mm. that was the fuck up that tebas did and i'm sure laporta and his board were scratching their head how to make this possible even messi agreed for a 50% wage cut but still it didn't put it put us at somewhere around 400 million euros which would which did not help our cause and and some players like antoine griezmann and umtiti rejected to leave the club earlier than messi to help us leave the help us make messi stay yeah and uh, to the fans that say uh, messi should have played for free and everything else 
Tevas had another stupid rule for this. What made it impossible for Messi to play for free and stay is that Tebas had another rule that says a player can't take a cut of more than 50% while signing a new, new deal. So 1.1 million, it becomes 500 million, which is again a huge, huge wicker when it comes to our salary bill for this year. So I think there was no other way but to let Messi go. And who do I blame for all this? <clears throat> Bartomeu. For giving Obviously. that kind of contract. Obviously. And also one thing. We had players like Umtiti who started earning 280000 per year. We had Griezmann 850000 per year. When you earn that much amount at a club, why would you want to leave? But also these idiots were like, no, we're going to sit in the bench. It's fine. Just give us the money. Bring the money. Umtiti is sitting on that pile of cash, man. He's refusing to leave. He rejected multiple offers from like numerous clubs because of that cash. And we have these kind of players. But also a huge shout out to Gerard Pique and Jordi Alba for making summer, trials, summer signings possible. Without them, this wouldn't have happened. Huge, huge shout out to them. Very happy they are club legends. When one player leaves, especially someone in the stature of Lionel Messi, it is a huge void to fill. But that doesn't mean players can still not come in. And there is currently an influx of players into Barcelona. And that too, through La Masia, the club's famed youth academy. So you have players like Pedri, Gavi, Ansu Fati, all taking centre stage and making it into the first team at Barcelona. So La Masia, which has been, you know, quite dead for the past few seasons, has come back to life. How do you guys feel about that? Because this is really positive signs, especially towards the future. And all these young players have signed long-term contracts with huge release clauses, which makes a statement that they want to stay for the near future at least. What do you guys think about that? Yes, Gavi, Pedri, Nico and all who have been coming through the academy are like a godsend. Because right now, the co- you can see in the market, the cost of midfielders or a quality young talent is a big, big price to pay. And we are getting them for free through our academy. La Masia has always been a breeding ground for some of the best talent in the world. So it is a great pleasure to get some of the talent back to our club, get them on new high contracts and long-term contract as well. Gavi and Nico have been a revelation this season. They run the midfield from the start of the season when we were struggling to find players to fit the system. So yeah, our academy is prospering right now. La Masia is probably going to save us again. <clears throat> After like a horrendous last season when I felt like there was no hope, players like Nico, Gavi, Pedri, Ansafati, Araujo, all of them, they came in and they were like, let us do it. We gave them chances and they are repaying us with that. They are sh- they are out there about to become world-class players. Gavi is a 17-year-old kid and he's performing every week. He's so good. And without these La Masia talents, I don't think I would even be here to, to talk about Barcelona because I would be crying somewhere. These guys probably saved our season. Yeah, um... We should be forever grateful for having the best academy in the world. La Masia, you know, uh, this season, 
we would have been somewhere else we would have been in the trenches we would have been in the relegation fodder if uh, it wasn't for the lamasia guys you know they have been carrying the team for a while now uh, araujo is blooming to be the future leader of barcelona so it's imperative i can't stress this enough to renew gavi and araujo hopefully it gets done in a few weeks time because reading news about uh, araujo moving to the prem is giving me nightmares already so yeah encouraging signs with the youth academy which also produced messi himself and also at the same time in order to offer all these youth players to prosper you need a good bunch of senior players around them as well and i think barcelona did do good business in the winter transfer window they got in ferran torres and also they got in adama traore and pierre americo bamayang to add to their ranks so do these young prospering group of players have the right group of senior players around them to take them to the next level and you know progress barcelona to even further heights of course um, it's sad that we don't have players like messi or suarez to help them but i trust in the group of senior players that we have in the likes of gerard pique since he was one of the best defenders at one point he will provide as a leader towards these young defenders and i'm sure they will benefit a lot from his leadership and of course like we have javi man we literally have javi he is going to help our midfield straight up he knows in and out he's probably the best midfielder ever so i trust we have pretty good senior players who can help the youngsters and they will just they will just go and get go for new heights man you also got to give it to the legend dani alves he came into barca at ripe age of 38 he is playing for almost nothing he is helping the club at right back and he is probably competing for a right back starting for spot for brazil in the 2022 world cup his experience will be of great value and probably someone like deskan who has been struggling lately can learn something from him obamayang on the other hand is mostly a short term move he will stay here if it works out otherwise i think he'll be moved out next season he's also on low wage just compared to what he was earning at arsenal so there's no real concern regarding the signing rawar is an interesting pickup for barca he left barca as a youngster his career kind of stagnated at uh, wolves because of because uh, of his lackluster attacking output he was even being played at right wing back this season to cover for his ineffectiveness in front of goal he took a huge wage cut and on a wage which was already quite minimal to provide to prove his ability on the big stage get his career back on track for barca it's a low risk investment actually because loan move with 30 million option is a decent business activating the option will purely depend on adama's ability to impress javi and fit into his system by the next season let's see let's see what happens andrew yeah a uh, word on uh, adama see adama is one of the signings that has managed to change my view on him even though it's been such a short while i was kind of skeptical um, as i didn't know how chavi was going to use him but he has made me realize that his physicality is priceless right wing is a spot of bother since messi left we've seen demir play there elias play there abde play there or play players that got bullied by physical defenders so triores uh, last sunday just played hermosa out of the park absolutely bullied him so long may that continue and a word on alves and uh, pk a short word on alves and pk 
Alves was kicked out the back door in 2016 by Bartomeu, and it never felt right. And he is a player that we needed a farewell like Kinyas does, and never got it. And so signing him again puts a smile on my face. And another reason is that the right back right back spot is still a spot of bother after chucking him out in 2016. So in a way, Danny Alves is Danny Alves's replacement himself. So we saw that he's still got it uh, versus Atleti, and he's been a great signing so far in my opinion. And one more word on Gerard Piquet, just a few sentences, okay? He has been unfairly treated by the media. He has been the the let's say the picture of Barcelona's down downfall. He has been portrayed as the picture of Barcelona's downfall. I think his uh, his presence is still uh, invaluable for all the young players out here, and he's still I think one of the best defenders in the world. Gerard Piquet, obviously, like he's even I feel like he's been portrayed pretty unfairly in the media. Like I understand his. He wasn't as good as he was, but his leadership is invaluable. Also, Dani Alves, he left in 2016, joined in 2022, and he's still our best right back. That says a lot about the right back position. Dinesh? By the way, PK is still our second best defender, second best centre back in the squad. So, not playing him would be a stupid decision by any manager. I feel. Speaking of central defenders. Daniel Rojo still needs to extend his contract, and that seems to be a really, really skeptical situation at the moment. And uh, it would be good to extend him and you know keep him at the club rather than sending him away to the Premier League. So, how badly do you guys want to hold on to him? See, man, I'm not even bothered about that because we have Laporta's best signing of his second tenure at Barca at work. Matteo Alamani, Matteo Padremani, the alpha male at the club right now. Big Daddy Alamani. Comparing him to Abidal is like comparing chalk and cheese. Okay, he's like a breath of fresh air. I'll say it again and again every time I speak about him. Okay, and if at the start of the season you told me we'd be signing a young talent like Ferran in the winter window, I'd be laughing my ass off. I'd be like, what are you talking? And this guy has made it possible. So. With him, everything is possible. Even dare I say it, Erling Holland. Let's talk about Holland later. Right now, I think Araujo's contract renewal is on positive terms. They offered him a small contract early because they didn't want to go high in the first contract itself. But he wants something closer to what uh, Gavi and Pedri are earning at the club. So I think this will be sorted very quickly. The agents and the club are in good talks with each other. The second contract will be more suitable, and I think he'll sign for a long time to go. Araujo's renewal is something which I think will happen. Just give it some time, and it'll happen because that man loves the club. I have no question about his loyalty towards the club. It'll it's bound to happen. So with the with a good blend of youth and experience. And also with Xavi as the manager who knows the club inside out, it looks like the old Barcelona way is slowly coming back. And is it also time to see the tiki taka style which flat the world of football to give goosebumps to every fan around the world? And how do you guys see Barcelona in the next five years, especially with all these players coming through and also with potential future signings that might you know pin a nail on how good the club might move forward? Honestly, it is going to take some time. 
for us to get back to the tiki taka style of play because javi has just come in and it's going to and it's going to take some time for the players to adapt but the coming years are obviously extremely exciting i am excited to see what he brings to the club and i guess like these are exciting times for barcelona fans because you clearly see a change of play you see players performing with him under him it's just really nice to it's just really nice to see but it's too early to say that barcelona will be back on top within the next 2 3 years i sincerely hope they do because that'll be brilliant but i i you can tag me on this star me on this whatever in the next 5 years we will at least reach the semi final of the uefa champions league for sure whoever doubted barcelona's pull you all can just go cry in some ditch we got adama traore on 10000 wage where spurs were offering him 50, 100000 well of course it's a very spursy thing to do anyone would reject that club but still don't ever underestimate us ah uh, sanjay uh, to answer your question about uh, tiki taka coming back i think as long as the core the midfield is dominated by lamasia guys and pedri and uh, as long as the spanish core is there i th- i think that's why ferran torres is such an underrated signing such a versatile forward that could be that could play on either wings and could also fill in at the center forward role if needed and he's been groomed by pep also and in the spanish team he's been he's groomed by uh, luis enrique as well and uh, one thing he provides is ferran torres provides is um, finishing clinicality in front of goal we ba- we really badly needed that Uh, before he came and spanish signings rarely flop at barcelona so as long as the spanish core is there and the uh, barcelona's uh, la masia's core is there i think we can expect good things from uh, javi's barca i have full trust in javi's barca i think he will do a really good job moving on yeah yeah he got a really young core the legends of the club are imparting their knowledge and probably will be phased out by the next season we'll witness the eu set tiki taka right i don't think it'll be tiki taka it'll be chavi ball yeah we'll witness will i think ferran torres i think is like like a david david via type of profile he will shift more to the inside forward role rather than the winger or number 9 he's a really good signing on the market very shrewd business alimani and co uh, already have a plan in the summer plan for signings in the summer he accounted for almost six signings one for the number 9 and most likely four two in the center back region one for one for the right back and one for left back these are almost confirmed transfer business that we are going to do in the market in the summer so expecting very good things from barca mozin I have a question for everyone everyone over here. 70 million for Delict. Whereas 85 million for Haaland. Who do you guys go for? Haaland. I take Haaland. Haaland is actually good for business more than Delict I feel like because forwards really attract a lot of money crowd everything into the stadium. It's a it's a good business point. I hope we sign Haaland and build the team around him. Like Laporta has been looking for ways to conjure up immediate funds, Spotify deal, Goldman Sachs, selling part of Barca studios, etc. 
So I think if Haaland is signed for Barca, um, the next ten years for El Clasico is is gonna be awesome. Also, also I think there's a lack of uh, proper number nines in the market right now. The quality for quality number nines are at a premium. So getting one is a big necessity. And we have after Luis Suarez left and after his decline, we haven't got a proper number nine at the road. So it will be essential to get a number nine signing next season. And this center back signing, I think we can get some quality center backs at pretty cheap cost right now. Delict, I don't think we'll get Delict for seventy million. Even Juventus will push the price further up. They they got the money right now. They got everything in their hands. They have, he has a contract, so they'll push it out. And Haaland does sound like a Barcelona signing, doesn't he? And given the fact that he was rejected before, that he wasn't technical enough, well, that should that should reverberate some really deep regrets across the Barcelona board. But anyways, him coming back, and, and even if you guys managed to you know, convince Mino Raiola into getting to come to Barcelona, it would mean a huge deal. And he could be the one to take over Messi's shoes, maybe. But anyways, come, as we conclude the podcast, we have Barcelona currently on the verge of qualifying for the Champions League. And also, they are still in the fight for the Europa League as well. And uh, Barcelona not in the Champions League is something completely unheard of. Even despite their exit, they would want to make amends and come back into next season's competition. So, what are Barcelona's realistic targets for this season, guys? Before coming to this, Man United fans, please tell me how to deal with Thursday night football. Like, I really need to learn from you guys since you all are used to it for the past 5-6 years, man. Also, but well, Mozim, Man United are in the Champions League and Barcelona are not. So, well, for them, Champions League is a big thing. For us, Europa League is a big thing. That shows the difference. For them, they'll get UCL knockouts like once in a while. We get Europa League like, I don't know, once in a millennia. Anyways, um, honestly, my my expectations. For Barcelona, is to number one win the Europa League. But I'm pretty sure we'll qualify for the Champions League. Looking at the likes of Atletico Madrid, not up to the mark. And like some other clubs, except Real Madrid and Sevilla doing their job, I don't think qualifying for Champions League is going to be that big of a problem right now. Yeah, I agree. We, uh, we should qualify for the Champions League comfortably this season. We are already pushing Real Betis for the third spot. We are two points off and we have a game in hand. So, I think we'll do it comfortably. Europa League, on the other hand, would be a good target to go after financially for right, for now. Because the money we get by winning the Europa League is pretty decent and it will be helpful for our transfer business in the summer. Other than that, I don't see much else going on. Yeah. Well, that concludes a very eventful and lively podcast from Mozim, Andrew and Dinesh. It was an honor having you guys as guests and sharing your insights onto the, into the club you love. And from, my, from myself, Sanjay, 
it's a big thank you for all the listeners and we'll be back again next week so thank you all for listening and see you soon also guys please stream spotify we need the funds yeah go bar sa for sa bar